0: Fishing Like a Local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. You're listening to The Wild Initiative Podcast Network. Learn more and check out all the shows at thewildinitiative.com.
1: You're listening to the Fish Untamed Podcast, where we talk all things fishing, conservation, and the outdoors. Today on the show, I'm joined by Andrew Todd, the president of Running Rivers and the founder of the annual Rocky Mountain Flyathlon. All right, welcome to the Fish Untamed Podcast. My name's Katie. This is episode number one. I figured I'd hop on here for a minute and just quickly introduce what this show is and where I hope to take it, just before we get into the interview portion. Um, I run a website called Fish Untamed, and I mostly, mostly talk about backcountry fly fishing, anything from fishing tips to gear to food, pretty much anything that I think a, an outdoorsman would find interesting. Uh, and I figured the next step was to start to talk to other people who probably have more interesting stories and more knowledge than I do. Um, and just kind of be a sponge for what I can learn from them in in partnership with what I like to produce. So that's kind of my goal for this show, and we'll we'll see how much it changes along the way. It'll be mostly fly fishing, but also probably talk to some gear fishermen along the way as well. Uh, Today is definitely a fly fishing show. Uh, I'm talking to Andrew Todd, who's the president of the nonprofit Running Rivers, which is a conservation organization helping native trout out west, uh, mostly in Colorado right now. And he's also the founder of the Flyathlon, which is a triathlon-style race, but instead of running, uh, swimming, and biking, the events are running, fishing, and drinking beer. Although, I am supposed to remind everyone that beer drinking is not actually a competitive portion, and as you'll hear in the interview, Andrew's lawyers are glad that I mentioned that. So, I think this will be a super interesting conversation, especially if you've never heard of the Flyathlon, because it's a really awesome event. Uh, It's raised over $100,000 toward native trout conservation. So I assume that any fly fisherman listening will appreciate the the work that Running Rivers has done and the money raised through the Flyathlon. So uh, without further ado, here's my talk with Andrew Todd. How's it going Andrew? Thanks for stopping in today.
2: It's it's going great. Uh how are you doing?
1: Pretty good. Uh walking again and hopefully going camping this weekend for the first time in a while. So Where are you going to go? we're not sure yet. Uh, I don't know how far I can walk right now, but I'll probably be going somewhere, somewhere with fishing, but probably not more than a half mile walk or so.
2: Well, Kurt, Have you
1: been fishing at all?
2: Yeah. I took the girls fishing on Sunday up behind our cabin in West and, uh, they all caught fish, including some cutthroat trout and a few brookies. And, uh, my wife was fishing Tinkara, which she swears by. And, uh, she caught a bunch of fish. So it was a good, it was a good day.
1: Sounds good. Do you fish Tankara at all?
2: I don't, I I'm more traditional fly fisherman. I, I, my rod of choice is a six piece, three weight, seven foot, um, rod that back, you know, it packs down to like less than a foot and that's, that's perfect for running as well. So it's, uh, that's my, I, I like the, the versatility of a traditional rod and reel allows you to cast further and um tenkara can be somewhat limiting in in some circumstances so i like i like the ability to do what i need to do to get to the fish
1: i kind of feel the same way i've got a rod but i think i like playing with the line too much so yeah. i end up just taking that on like backpacking trips where i'm not sure if i'll get to fish just as a backup but when i can choose i usually choose a reel
2: yeah, it's, it's definitely the right tool in, in some circumstances and the perfect tool in some circumstances, but uh, it comes up lacking in others.
1: For sure. Well, the main topic that um, we're going to get into today is the flyathlon, since you are the kind of coordinator of the whole shebang. Uh, I know we have a lot of kind of subtopics in there to get to as well, but uh, can we just start? Can you just start by um, explaining what the flyathlon is and maybe kind of... Uh, where it started how it came up
2: sure sure so the the flyathlon was born out of just three passions that that I've had for quite some time in in trail running fly fishing and craft beer and um you know, I've always kind of put them together because the the best and dumbest fish are way back there so if you're if you're willing to run to get back <laughs> to them um, you can access some some pretty awesome fishing so and I have a, a craft beer problem, so um, I've always kind of paired the three. And then, God, it's a, almost six years ago we held the first unofficial race where I kind of thought, well, if I like doing these things, maybe maybe some other people will like it as well. And so the first one was up near Grand Lake, and it was it was highly uh, unofficial and probably illegal because it went through wilderness and I, I guess our group was under 15 so technically it was legal but we, we weren't permitted or anything and we were just kind of having fun it was mostly friends and family and um after that one everyone had such a good time that we decided to do an official race which was in i believe the first one was in 2013 down in or 2014 down in Sawatch, which is south central colorado And, um, you know, we started off, I think it was 40 people. And I decided at some point that, um, you know, it could be a vehicle for, for good in that you've got all these people that are passionate about being outside and fly fishing and trail running. And maybe I could turn it into something that, that gave back to the areas that we were going to hold these things. And so that first year, I think the flyathlon raised about six thousand dollars the the Middle Creek race and the next year it raised about twenty and then and we had increased the size of it to about sixty people. And then we added a race, uh the, the Lake Fork uh flyathlon, which of course you've been to. Um and so over the years, I think this is year number six. And the last five years we've raised over one hundred fifty thousand dollars through started out through Colorado Trout Unlimited. They were kind of our fiscal partner in, in doing stuff on the ground, but we decided a couple years ago now to create our own nonprofit, which we called running rivers that now houses the flyathlon and a couple other programs. Um, with the, our, our motto is, uh, conservation through recreation. So we're trying to get people excited about conservation through fun activities like, like the flyathlon, figuring that if, if these people, are going to be out there. They might as well be invested in the areas that they're in and knowledgeable about the conservation challenges. And so that's what we've tried to do with, with the event instead of having it just be a race, be be something more than that. And the way we've raised money with the flyathlon is through a crowdfunding model, which reaches even more people. So we ask the people that sign up to reach out to their friends and family to contribute to their campaign for lack of a better word. And, so with that message of, in, in the case of Running Rivers, it's very native trout focused. And as our participants reach out to their friends and family, that message of native trout and why native trout are important gets out to a wider audience than just the people participating in the event. So um, the the crowdfunding model has been a unique one. It's heavily reliant on our, our industry sponsors. We We get a bunch of sponsors from from out in the outdoor industry like Patagonia and, and uh, Yeti coolers and a number of fly fishing outfits. They donate gear that we use then to incentivize our race participants, or we call them fly athletes uh, (laughs) to uh, crowdfund. And and so we have uh, the biggest awards that we give out. We do give out awards for biggest and smallest fish and top male and female finisher, but the biggest awards that, that are donated from these, these uh, outdoor industry uh, companies are are reserved for the people that raise the most money for conservation. So at its core, it's really a a conservation event um, disguised as a lot of fun in in the woods. And of course there's lots of craft beer, which is not part of the race itself. So um, (laughs) lawyers said that was a terrible idea. So we, we keep the beer uh, after, unless you choose to find, find it on the course and there may or may not be places where you can find beer and whiskey so
1: yeah I've had to um explain when I when people have asked about the race and I usually start by describing it as a triathlon but the events are uh running fishing and drinking beer and then I have to specify that drinking beer isn't actually an event it's just more of a perpetual activity throughout the entire weekend
2: yes my my (laughs) my lawyer friends appreciate you you clarifying that because it's you know it's um and and to be honest i think at least over the last 5 years knock on wood we've been pretty pretty reasonable i the, the majority we although our demographic is all over the place i mean we've got people from their early 20s to their mid 60s uh for the most part people are out there to enjoy being outside and not to not to go overboard so even though we've got a lot of great uh donated beers and and whiskey um people keep it keep it within uh within reasonable limits um and and by design we've got these races in places that are um pretty remote and and isolated from from denver both races in colorado are at at least three hours from denver so people aren't uh aren't inclined to try to drive back after the race or after a couple beers it's it's really designed so that people come and camp and and I found over the years that's my favorite part of the whole deal is sitting around after and listening to people talk about the fish they caught or or the one that got away and um and and sometimes the the word cutthroat comes into that conversation uh and that that makes me really happy that, that people come and they stay and uh, the thing I didn't expect but but I've witnessed over the miracle that is social media is that people that have met. Um, come into these events then go out and run together and fish together and hang out together and and that's kind of that's kind of cool if we can create a a culture of people getting out uh, getting out and enjoying these places with that conservation um, mindset in the background that then then in my mind we've we've won with what we're trying to do
1: yeah it's pretty impressive that after just a couple years you guys have already raised um, I think, I think the last figure I saw was like 150,000, is it up to that high now or is it still
2: between yeah, 100 and 150? No, so, so between the, the events in Colorado and then we've got an event that, uh, was, was kind it's kind of a franchise or offshoot, uh, of the Colorado races out in Iowa. Um, and that is going into its third official year as well. And they've raised, um, not as much money, but I think closing in on twenty twenty-five thousand $25,000 over those years for trout projects and native trout projects, brook trout projects in Iowa. Um, but yeah, all told, I think we're after the, uh, last year it was one sixty something like that. And this year already the, the, uh, middle Creek, uh, flyathlon has raised $16,000 and we've got two and a half weeks, uh, Left, and the goal for that one was twenty five grand and um there's always a flurry of activity at the end as the sandbaggers come out of the <laughs> out of the woodwork and and call in their big guns to put them over the top to win win cool uh, donated gear so I'm hopeful we can hit twenty five with both races we've We've raised more money with the races each year and and then we the important thing is not just raising money it's it's how we how we spend it on the ground. And, and so our nonprofit being a fledgling organization and all of us, it's, it's an all volunteer organization. So everyone's got a day job. So we need partners to spend that money on the ground for, for conservation. And so we work through um, other nonprofits as well as state agencies and federal agencies to help them do their jobs and in, in a way that um, also meets our mission. So we, we partner with we've got a big project this summer that's a partnership with uh Trout Unlimited, National Park Service and uh Colorado Parks and Wildlife to to reclaim a, a really big watershed in the Sangre de Cristos for Rio Grande Cutthroat trout who um are in, you know, depending on what figure you you look at between 12 and 15% of their historic uh occupied habitat and that's not a lot so the goal is to to expand that range into some watersheds. That the one we're we're doing at the end of August is is really well buffered against things like climate change. It's a big watershed, lots of water. The water is very cold, and right now it's got cutthroat trout hybrids as well as brook trout in there. And so, the project that that we've our fly athletes help raise money for is to to um, remove the the fish that are in there and then replace them with the, the all uh, native uh, Rio Grande cutthroat trout. And that watershed will be a, uh, a a great place for, for conservation of that species and may they may actually uh, parks and wildlife is talking about using it as a brood stock, which is where you go and you, you use those fish to spawn and um, create fish for other watersheds where you're trying to reclaim the fish and get somewhere from, you know where we're at—twelve to fifteen percent. You know, can we get that number up closer to twenty or thirty? In yeah. my mind, that's a that's a more sustainable number uh, long term when we f- consider things like on the horizon, like climate change.
1: Mm-hmm. Are there are there more than one project going on at a time, or because I know the website shows a kind of a list of um, projects, but I wasn't sure if those were. Uh, past projects, current projects, and future projects, or if there's a bunch going on all at once? How does that work?
2: Yeah, so so there, there are any number of projects going on at any given time, or none at, at any time. It's really just a function of when these people are, are doing the work on the ground. So this summer, we're doing a project with Colorado Parks and Wildlife, where we're looking at the success of the... They, they stock high mountain lakes with Rio Grande cutthroat trout via plain. And some of these are so remote they they haven't over the last twenty years, they haven't gotten up to these lakes to uh characterize them to see the success or failure of their stocking uh their biannual. So every other year they're stocking fish in these uh these lakes and they don't know whether they're they're taking or or are they what's going on with them. And so one of the projects we help fund is for a crew of, uh, seasonal employees to go up to as many of these lakes as possible and, and do surveys to, to determine if the, if that stocking has been successful. And in some cases it has, and in others, they've been feeding brook trout for, for 20 years and, and then they'll adjust their, their management based on that information. So that's a project that's happening this summer, the, the Sand Creek Reclamation we're partnering uh, with money raised from the Lake Fork Race. We're partnering with Bureau of Land Management over on a tributary to uh, Savoya Creek, which goes into the um, Blue Mesa Reservoir. Uh, they're putting in a barrier. Uh, these these cutthroat trout to survive long-term, they need to be isolated from those um, uh, brook trout and rainbow trout that'll out-compete and breed with them. The rainbow trout will. And so building barriers or physical barriers uh, impassable barriers for, for those non-native fish to reinvade an area is critical. So we're, we're spending $15,000 in conjunction with a lot of other partners to get this barrier built to, to isolate seven and a half miles of Colorado river cutthroat trout habitat. Uh, Earlier this summer in June, we were working on a project in a, in a drainage called Jim Creek, which um, is down in the San Luis Valley and that project uh the the creek has been severely overgrazed over the years by cattle and so the project is building fences to exclude cattle from from coming in and trampling the creek which you know widens the creek and makes it more shallow and prone to warming um and so we we've uh with trout unlimited and trout unlimited's done a lot of the, the fencing work and the recontouring of the stream um but but our role we've two years running now, we've had volunteers who have, have largely come from past events. So they're fly athletes coming out to volunteer, to spend the money that they raised to what we did this year was we planted willows and sedges. And then we did some electrofishing, which is where you put in an electric current into the, into the water and the stuns, the fish, it doesn't kill them. But then we were pulling out selectively, we were pulling out some of the brook trout and and we ate those <laughs> ate those for dinner. <laughs> um, but uh, so with, with uh, under a permit from Parks and Wildlife, you can't just go. Say, is that
1: legal take? <laughs> no,
2: no, you can't just go buy an electrofisher and go shop dinner. Um, this is something that was in conjunction with Parks and Wildlife. They were aware of it. And um, so we're, we're taking those fish out and sort of salvage them for a purpose instead of just throwing them away. That's that's why we're, sure. <laughs> we're eating them. But uh, not not legal to go out and throw electricity into a river <laughs> just oh, to get dinner
1: take that out of my amazon card
2: yeah back yeah. to the
1: standard rod and reel
2: well the yeah the the good thing is electrofishers aren't cheap so it's not <laughs> it's not easy to just go buy one and do it so um that's
1: that's pretty so, cool that the um you said that one of the projects is like kind of over near the lake fork area right near Bla- blue mesa
2: yeah and that's the um so with the money that we raise we try to target the the money towards the watershed that so like the the money that was raised in the uh, middle creek event we're trying to put towards projects that benefit fish that are native to the same watersheds that that the um, middle creek is in so that's the rio grande cutthroat trout watershed greater watershed and and versus the lake fork which the native fish in in the lake fork area is the colorado river cutthroat trout so the the Barrier Project happens to be in, in very close proximity to uh, the Lake Fork of the Gunnison, but it, in reality, we're just trying to keep the money that was raised with a given event for the subspecies that's native to the watershed that that event takes place in. And same goes with the uh, one of our other programs, which is called the, the Rare Fish, Rare Beer Project, where we're making... We're partnering with local breweries to make beers that celebrate the fish that are native to the watersheds that those breweries reside in. So I think we're on volume seven now, uh, but we've made several Rio Grande Cutthroat Trout beers with a brewery in, in Del Norte, Colorado called Three Barrel Brewing. And and so a portion of the money that is raised with this beer goes back towards projects that benefit the fish the, the beer celebrates, so it's been a ton of fun um, doing it. We 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 basically turn the whole creative process over to the brewery. Their their label makers um, make up a label inspired by the fish, and and we've we've got a lot of cool <laughs> cool beers and 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 labels that have come out of it. We we actually even made a whiskey with um, Denver-based Laws whiskey house uh that was called nativa it was kind of a a generic uh cutthroat trout celebration and and that raised almost ten thousand dollars for for projects that part of which will be spent this summer in that uh sand creek watershed reclamation project so um yeah so it it, it, we're we're trying to focus on the watersheds where the activities are taking place and, and focus on the natives within them
1: That actually kind of leads me into something I wanted to ask later, but it makes more sense right now, uh, is whether this um, project would expand ever, do you think, beyond trout to other native fish? Like, I'm a big whitefish fan. I know a lot of people think that they're trash fish, but I have a ton of fun catching them, and I always get a little upset when people value, um, like, browns and rainbows up here, but whitefish are native here. And I was just kind of wondering if you'd ever consider expanding beyond trout to other types of fish.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, uh, I, I think with, particularly with the rare fish, rare beer project, we've already talked to three barrel about doing a real Grand chub beer, you know, and it, and it's not as the thing about trout is because they're a, a sport fish and they're a really pretty fish, which is not to say that, you know, some of these, these small bodied native fish aren't, aren't beautiful in their own right, but people, most people know what a trout is. Mm -hmm. Um, fewer people know what a chub is or a sucker is. And, and from a conservation standpoint, some of those, those species are even in worse shape than some of the, the trout species. And so you're absolutely right. There, there's a need for, for protection and, and habitat projects benefiting those organisms as well. And so we have actually talked about doing a or a, a sucker beer, but from the flyathlon standpoint, it's a little bit more difficult because it is an angling focused event to, um, I, I suppose we could, uh, we, we could use money from, from those races to benefit, uh, you know, non-trout native fish, but because it is an angling event, the, the money that is been raised through those has gone towards trout projects to date
1: mm-hmm. i mean that makes that makes sense i was just wondering if if we no, can I, look for some other things down the road
2: yeah man suckers need love too
1: <laughs> i uh i wonder how many people would buy a sucker beer
2: <laughs> i yeah i think it's all about uh so what we try to do i didn't mention that with the labels so that the art is inspired you know inspired by the fish and done by the the brewery's artist. but we try to have we try to use it as an educational uh, vehicle as well. So there's always a little blurb on these labels that talks about why this fish is important. And in fact, we're making right now, uh, we're making a brown trout beer here in Denver. Uh, that'll be out within the next couple of weeks. And of course, brown trout are not native to Colorado. They're native to to Europe. Um, but the beer that we're making is a, is a Pilsner, which is a German style beer and so on the label it talks about how the german pilsner and the german brown trout are both imports from europe but uh and they're great and fun to fish for but they're not native and so this beer is actually raising money for uh for greenback cutthroat trout <laughs> so, um, <laughs> just a bit sad yeah yeah well i it, it, i think people people understand and 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 are familiar with with brown trout and so if you can use a brown trout beer and get people excited about it and then they read the label and they're like what the heck is the green the green dot cut through a trout and why am i giving money to it and then they do a little research and they figure out that it's this beautiful fish that you can catch in colorado too so um you know a, a little a little trickery i guess but um <laughs> it's it's gonna be a delicious beer and uh yeah it, particularly a, a delicious summer beer in a in a pilsner
1: and to be fair, I, I'm assuming that most anglers out here, uh, even if they value native species more, probably aren't uh, wanting to get rid of all the brown trout fishing there is out here either.
2: No, nor am I. <laughs> I, I just, uh, I think, you know, the the twelve to fifteen percent versus the you know the the habitat that's occupied by non natives in brown and rainbow and brook trout. If we could get that balance closer to the the thirty percent native native trout versus you know, there's some watersheds and, and these big river systems that, like the Blue River and um, you know all the big ones that show up on the the big board in fly shops. Those are those are heavily managed and they're unlikely to be all native fisheries anytime ever in the future. So, I, I think to to imagine those as all native fisheries is probably naive. But there are great opportunities to to move the needle on native fisheries without jeopardizing any of those great sport fisheries that we have in the in the state so i think it's in my mind it's just a, a a better balance between the two uh such that whatever we face in the future those those natives are set up for success versus being in this marginal uh habitat that um you know the, that they're at, at real risk of not being around in the future
1: yeah, and I think you could even make the argument that having a couple of those larger rivers just be for the kind of trophy browns and rainbows might be kind of good in the long run. Just because if they're not going to support um, native fish species as much, then let them just grow trophy fish for people to catch. And I think that would kind of open up more small areas that would that would be able to hold native populations and just kind of keep them separated.
2: You know, so, totally. And and I think angling is a sport, right? And and to have areas where it's 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 managed, but it it's achieving its goal of of people coming in to this state or or being living in this state and going out and enjoying themselves angling on a on a managed fishery. That's that's part of the goal, and that's part of why Parks and Wildlife exists and and the conservation piece. Uh, not not all of these fisheries are naturally re- reproducing, um, nor. Do they contain native fish? And so that's part of what they do and, and, and I think that's perfectly acceptable. It's it's just can we get can we get to a place where we've got a better balance of these healthy, reproducing native fisheries that are doing well on their own and don't don't need the the heavy management to, to persist so then they can focus again on those those sport fisheries where there's a lot more pressure. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe some of that pressure, uh, that that's focused on those managed resources is not, uh, is not then exerted on, on some of these more sensitive, uh, native populations.
1: For sure. I mean, it keeps people kind of isolated or, um, concentrated, I guess, in certain areas and instead of just spreading out and covering the whole state.
2: Yep. Yeah. But, but I would, I would still encourage people to, uh, think beyond the big board at the, at the fly shop, um, there are all sorts of fishable waters in the state and, you know, just, just get, get, get the uh, DeLorme book of maps and, and find a trail that's got a, a blue line running next to it and go explore it. Cause um, a lot of these have great little brook trout fisheries or, or native cutthroat fisheries. And it, it's, uh it's a hell of a lot more fun to go explore those than to just drive up and, you know, um, throw on waiters and <laughs> that that's my personal personal feeling is oh, that i agree you know there there's a there's a whole big state to explore uh be combat fishing next to somebody
1: i actually uh, i've never fished deckers cheeseman or the dream stream and i kind of want to go but i also kind of want to see how long i can go without <laughs> just to see how long i can make it
2: yeah they have their they have their merits i've fished um several of the the few you mentioned and not more than once though i <laughs> i uh, i just don't i i don't enjoy the um you know the combat fishing that you can get, get sometimes where you're i like the solitude of being way back and not necessarily all by myself but but pretty isolated and 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 that's when i feel most alive is when i'm out really remote and you know, wet, wet waiting. So I can feel the, the river on my, on my legs. And, and, uh, I, I, I always struggle with waiters, although being a biologist for the, for the government and doing electrofishing, I need waiters in certain circumstances and I under, understand their value and utility in those circumstances. But, um, I think a big part of, uh, fishing should be to, to experience being in, being in that element and what are the fish experiencing? And, You know, if it's too cold, stand on a rock.
1: Yeah. And especially in those, in those like smaller mountain streams, you're probably not even standing higher than your ankle deep anyway. Right.
2: Right. And if you do it long enough, the nerve endings in your feet die anyway (laughs) and you can't feel it. So
1: So it's a win-win.
2: It's a (laughs) win-win.
1: So in your work, does that overlap with flyathlon projects at all? Or are are they completely isolated from one another?
2: Yeah, they're, they're completely, completely isolated. So um, it's the reason my, my leave balance at work is so low is, is because any, anything flyathlon related I'm doing on my own time. And certainly there's, there's contacts that I've developed professionally over the years that, that I utilize to, to make the impact with, with running rivers and the flyathlon. But um, by design, I mean, I can't, I can't use my position in the government to advance, um, the running rivers. And, and I don't, I I don't want to. Um, so it, it's, I spend a lot of nights and, and weekends working on this stuff. And, uh, certainly it's not just, it's not just me. I have, uh, when we created running rivers, we have a board of, uh, there's nine of us. And so, um, I get a lot of help from, from my board members and, volunteers and pulling these things off uh every year and people keep showing up so to to help me out so i I, apparently i haven't pissed them off enough yet
1: (laughs) going back to what you said about um how when you're looking to fish you kind of just pick a trail that's got a blue line next to it and and head out we should have probably gone over this toward the beginning about what actually goes on during a given race. We kind of talked about the history of the flyathlon and the fundraising part, but do you just want to, you know, do a, an elevator pitch for what would a day of racing would be like?
2: Sure. So, well, to start, to start the race, um, we sacrifice a shitty domestic beer to the, the beer gods. My, it started out the first event. I tried to shoot a a, a beer with a uh, my buddy's three fifty seven, and I totally <laughs> missed. And everyone was scared. And, and then because I missed, they made me shotgun this thing, which was a uh, like drink shotgun it, which it was this Bud Light Lime Arita and I had to drink it. And so the next year, I brought in the the, the hired guns in my uh, in my daughter's uh, and Red Rider BB rifles, and so that's how we start every race is by shooting a a crappy domestic beer. And then it, the only rules are you have to complete the course. So in, in both the middle Creek and Lake Fork flyathlon case, it's an out and back. Um, there's a long course on the middle Creek that adds a loop, but really you really, the you have to go check in with my neighbor who's at the top, um, with a bottle of whiskey. I didn't say that, but if you're looking for whiskey, it's at the top. Um, And you have to run the entire course and you can break off and fish at any point. So if you're fast, you're running by all this habitat or potential places you could fish before anybody else. And you're faced with the tough decision of when do you break off and start fishing because then everyone behind you goes past you and then gets to see all the habitat that comes after that before you. So it's kind of this this head game of when do you when do you break off and fish? Do you run the whole thing and fish at the very end? Do you fish right away and and then just uh gut out the run? So it um, and then when you when you catch a fish, we've got a uh eleven by seventeen sheet of right in the rain paper that has all our sponsors' logos on it, your name, and a seventeen inch ruler, and you take a picture of your fish uh, on the on the ruler. And then you get to show one picture at the finish line after you've completed everything, and your time is adjusted by the size and species of the fish, with a, a double bonus for the uh, native fish. And and that there there are only cutthroat trout in the in the Middle Creek race. There's no cutthroat in the uh, in in the Lake Fork race, so there's no 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 bonuses in <laughs> in, in the Lake Fork. But it's funny because uh, that that bonus has been the difference between. Uh, winners and losers in the middle creek race yeah last year uh my neighbor who's at the top his wife was running it and she was super fast and she came across super fast with a with like a six inch brook trout and she just sat there sweating bullets like freaking out someone else was going to come across with a bigger fish that was a cutthroat trout and sure enough like seven minutes later the next fastest gal rolled in and showed a picture of like a eight or nine inch cutthroat trout and my neighbor lost because she she had an <laughs> in, inferior fish even though she was seven minutes faster and she was she was secretly very bitter but um, under, understands and and it's stupid, but in some ways that in people's mind, elevates the cutthroat trout to a level where you know they they may put more value on that fish because of that silly rule that we we have because it you know it is that native and 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 we're telling them it has more value even if that more value is just a bigger deduction in a in a ridiculous race so um that's in a nutshell how it works and then we uh we go back after the race um we've got areas where everybody camps and we we've got a couple great restaurants from Colorado Springs that cater the event, and so that night we, if if there's no fire ban, we have a fire and everybody sits around and tells fish stories. We give out awards. Um, we have a BB rifle shootout for the the ultimate grand prize after a, a elimination round that involves cornhole and and um, uh, horseshoes in in the Middle Creek race too. We have some horseshoes, but. Uh, so it's, it's just, it's all in good fun. And, and I I think people enjoy the after party more than, more than just about anything.
1: Yeah. You know, what I've noticed running this. So I think I've run this race two or three times now and I've run a handful of other races, although I don't, I don't consider myself a runner, but the feeling I get in The flyathlon is different from other races in that I definitely want to win. And I, you know, if I see someone who's ahead of me who I know has caught a fish, I am a little stressed. Like, I want to get ahead of that person. But at the same time, I'm also very, you know, happy when I hear people have caught fish. And people tend to stop and talk to each other. Like, when they're passing each other, people will stop and ask, you know, what'd you catch? And people will share information, like where to go or what flies are working. And so it's, it's kind of a competitive, but at the same time, a little bit cooperative race, which is just different from any other race i've run before
2: yeah it's it, it's by it's by design you know fishing you're you're kind of fly fishing you're kind of discouraged from running up on someone and or, or creeping up on them on their hull and asking them what they're fishing that's kind of bad fly fishing uh <laughs> etiquette but but in this in this race i i think people are under that pressure of of, of like trying to catch a fish in as short a period of time as they they can. And so it, it opens up that line of communication. If you see someone running by who's been successful, you want to know how, you know, what they were fishing because you're trying to get into a fish as fast as possible. And I, I think most people that are involved in this race are in it for the right reasons and share that information instead of just, you know, holding it to themselves so they can win. Um, you're right. Most people are, are trying to, to help people be successful in the fishing component in particular. And, and, in past years, we, unfortunately, our, our, uh, fish whisperer who sits by the river and is available for people to, if, if they are struggling fishing, uh, Ben's there to, to come up and you, you can come up to Ben and ask Ben to help, help you be successful fishing. And, and Ben is a miracle worker as a, he's an ex fly fishing guide, but also just a incredibly fishy person. So, over the years, I can't I can't even imagine how many people have gone to Ben to get help uh, catching a fish, and so that that's kind of the spirit of it is is um, that that uh, cooperative, collaborative. <laughs> we want people to be successful because there's nothing worse than than trying to fish and 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 failing at it. And but even then, you know, you're 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 motivated because in both of these areas there are plenty of fish there and so you're seeing fish and you're seeing fish chasing your flies so even if you don't catch and land a fish chances are you'll hook one and then you'll be motivated um to to come back on your own or at the event the next year and and try to try to be successful even if you don't don't land, don't land one in the first try but um unfortunately ben has just had another uh kid and so he's going to be out for the events this year so people are on on their own you're on your own this year people so curious if the stats will change be forewarned
1: (laughs) i know ben helped me catch a fish my i think first race it was uh i know a lot a lot of people had trouble that race and i could not for the life of me even get one to take my fly and then i talked to him for two minutes and he told me what kind of water they were in and and within five minutes i had one on
2: (laughs) right he's He's, definitely helpful he's truly (laughs) truly gifted it's no fun to fish with him outside of uh, the flyathlon context because he'll pull 30 fish out of the same hole that you caught nothing out of (laughs) so he's kind of an asshole in that way but uh it, it you know he he's just he's very uh very talented fly fisherman and a great person
1: yeah he's he's always a sweetheart and he always um remembers me from previous years, which I'm always really surprised about. And I imagine that he's that way with pretty much all the racers.
2: He just he seems is. To be everyone's,
1: he's, everyone's buddy.
2: He, we worked together for, for a bit in the government and he's, he's uh, one of the brightest people I know and one of the funniest and, and most thoughtful. So, and now he's, he's at home with a little one. So everyone wish Ben luck.
1: <laughs> How much did the flyathlon change between the, like the very first informal one you guys ran and what it is now is it was it basically the exact same thing back then I assume there's probably a little bit more beer drinking during the race
2: uh yeah well the first one we made we made all the the unofficial one we made all the mistakes we the so one of our one of our beer sponsors the longest running beer sponsor is uh Elevation Beer Company out of uh Poncha Springs and and they gave us a uh, A five gallon keg for that first one which was unofficial and was only like 10 of us (laughs) they donated it to you guys uh yes i believe so it's it's you know six years ago but i i may have bought it but i i'm pretty sure they donated it and we drank it on saturday night and then held the event sunday morning and i i remember just you know being in a, a real bad place trying to start this race and just all I was thinking is just get these people going so you can lay down for a little <laughs> while. And, and, uh, so I've, I've learned, I learned from that and switched the event to Saturday and then the, the after party to Saturday night, which most people would have figured out uh, on their own, uh, the first time. But, um, anyway, I learned from that. And there have been a handful of things that we've, we've learned from over the years. I'd, I'd say it's, uh, a, a much better well-oiled machine, uh, now six years in, and it's a lot easier for us to, to put on. Um, there's always a lot of anxiety associated with it on, on my part, just because you are putting that many people out in the woods and we've got a safety plan and we've got all the, the, you know, the safety features that that we would need in, in case of an accident, but, and we've been lucky, knock on wood, that, that nothing real bad has happened. We've had the occasional, like, we had a guy with a calf uh, or a, a fly in his calf and he ran the last four miles of the race with like a, a like a size 10 Elkhart caddis in his calf. And, and then he came across the finish line and we had some laws whiskey. And fortunately one of our fly athletes, wife is a nurse. And so she was able to get this thing out with minimal bleeding and screaming. But um, so we've had a few incidents over the years, but um, I think we're, we're in a much better position now to, to deal with something in the in the event that it happens. In fact, uh the Middle Creek race is is held near the town of Sawatch and, and Del Norte. And we've made some um we we reach out to the local hospital every year and tell them that we're having an event so that they have, you know, like rattlesnake anti-venom and ready in case someone rolls in from our event. Um, but some of these communities are pretty small towns and they don't have a whole lot going on. So I think it was two years ago, the, the uh, ambulance crew from Swatch came and they were just parked at the starting line waiting in case something happened. And of course nothing happened. And it was, it was great. It was great <laughs> to have them there and meet, meet them. But, uh, and then last year, I think my, my dad who's a, a retired uh, pediatrician, he organizes this stuff with the uh, the local hospitals, but, they wanted to have a helicopter uh, like parked at the starting line. I'm like, ah, I think that's a little bit of overkill. And yeah. <laughs> what's someone going to yeah. do? I
1: mean, yeah, maybe break well, and there's no
2: room for a, for a helicopter at the start line. Cause we've got all these cars rolling into a, a remote uh, forest service trailhead, but um, the enthusiasm of the, the local <laughs> communities is, is well appreciated uh, on that front. But you know, it, it, it's, it's pretty much stayed stayed the same over the years. We've we've added things here and there, and um, there may be a few twists this year as well. But um, you know, if it, it if it isn't broke, don't fix it. Right. Right.
1: And you have a kids' flyathlon going on this year, right? Or is it next year?
2: We did. We uh, we had it. It was the beginning of June, um, and it was it was our definitely a a, a trial run. Um it was at Staunton State Park, which is in uh uh in the like Conifer um Bailey area. Great state park, by the way, uh for, for those runners out there. And there's also some good fishing in there, but it um it was a, it's a two mile run for the kids and halfway into the run there's there's these stock ponds where we had it's probably about twenty volunteers waiting for the kids to roll in. And we had fly rods set up. We had spin rods set up. We had rods with power bait on them set up. We were ready for for anything. <laughs> and these fish had been <laughs> stocked the day before um, and, and earlier in the week too. So there were fish everywhere, but uh, stalkers aren't always cooperative. And so the the hour leading up to the, the kids actually showing up and, and wanting to catch fish we were all trying to fish it and figure out what they were taking and no one was taking anything. <laughs> and so there was this huge like cloud of, of stress over everyone. And then uh, our partners in the event, uh, mountain goat kids, which is uh, they put on trail running events for kids. Uh, my friend Heath who, who runs that, he radioed into me. He's like, they're coming. And, uh, and we're all panicked. <laughs> and as soon as the first wave of 25 kids rolled in and not just like, these aren't like eight to 13 year olds. There were like some four year olds in the mix. (laughs) What was the age range? I think, I think he, he capped it at the low end at four and the upper end was 13. Okay. So this, this is, this is a a wide range (laughs) of, uh, you know, uh, skill levels in terms of just being able to (laughs) move your arms and (laughs) legs. and and, uh, so anyway, they showed up and, fish started to cooperate. And I'd say at the end of it, we probably had, you know, over half of the kids had, in air quotes, caught fish. We caught a lot of them and then, and then let the kids reel them in. Um, But man, it was, it was great to see some of our longtime flyathlon participants showed up to volunteer. And one guy in particular, uh, Bert, he, I've got a great picture of him with this kid who's got to be like five years old, and the kid's got the biggest smile on his face, and he's got this uh, uh, rainbow trout that literally was on a truck the day before, but <laughs> he doesn't know that, and and both of them just have these you know great big grins on their face, and so it was it was great. We'll adjust some things for next year, and probably have fewer kids, and maybe bump the the lower age limit up a little bit. <laughs> Um, and more volunteers. So if people want to be a part of that um, and, and probably reach out to, to some sponsors and, and try to make a bigger, uh, you know, a bigger deal of it. It was kind of under the radar this year because uh, it was a test balloon. But um, I think for me, it's really important to get youth out and, and psyched about being outside, whether it's trail running or, or fly fishing or both. Um, instead of being in front of their iPads and, and I, I, you know, I, I think the more people we can get interested in, these things, the better, better off, uh, we are for the future in protecting these places. So that's the goal on my end. And it's fun to see kids catch fish.
1: And I'm sure it's nice for, especially for the parents who maybe run the regular fly and want to get their kids into it, but they don't want to be those parents that are going to make their kid fish and then have the kid rebel or just because the parents are teaching them and kind of give the kids their own like way into the activity that doesn't involve fishing with their parents uh,
2: we so we had a good number of um past uh fly athletes brought their kids to this and they were running with their kids and that was that was a load off my mind with them rolling in and we just handed them a a rod and then they were fishing with their kids so it was an opportunity for for them to be involved with their kids in this pseudo competitive, uh, situation. And I think that was, that was fun for a lot of people too, to, to, to run it as a, as a family. But, and then of course I, I neglected to mention because it is run fish beer. We had root beer floats at the end, A local ice cream and, and local root beer sponsor, um, gave us all this stuff to have root beer floats at the end. And so the, the state park loved it. The parents loved it. Kids loved it. So we'll, we'll, we'll likely do it again next June. But um, the, the goal is to get through this, this season. Our last event is the Lake Fork at the end of September. And then we'll, we'll get together as a board and we'll figure out what's what's next. I've got a couple other ideas, but um, see what everyone's bandwidth is for, for, ramping up again for next year
1: so did the middle creek already happen this year or is that upcoming
2: no uh it's august uh 10th okay so we've got we're a couple weeks out so we're in the scrambling around uh i, I just picked up a bunch of beer from a a great brewery in denver called cerebral oh yeah we've been um, there. yeah man they 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 gave us a bunch of beer and they're they're super big fans of what we're doing and and uh and I'm a super big fan of their beer, so it's a match match made in heaven. Assuming the beer makes it to the event. It's in my fridge right now, so I'll just have to be gotta, have to show some restraint. Just
1: seal it in a in a box that unlocks the day of the race.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or or not. You you gotta make sure it's not poison.
1: <laughs> right, right. Gotta test it out. That's right. What's the trout man?
2: Uh so the the trout man is a unofficial um ultra distance and, and by ultra, uh, the technical definition of, uh, of an ultra running race is just more than a marathon. So, um, it's not a hundred mile race cause I'm not crazy. Uh, but the trout man involves a, it's approximately 30 miles, but anything over than 26 miles counts. Um, you got to catch all four, uh, trout species, brook, brown, rainbow, and cutthroat trout. And then drink a twelve percent or greater beer in under twelve hours. And then we've got um, if you if you if you're able to do that successfully, um, we've got a local incredible metal artist who makes us these big um, gigantic ridiculous uh, trout belt buckles. That if you're successful in doing that, you get one of these trout man belt buckles and the official title of trout man or trout woman we don't have a trout woman yet so you know once the foot heals up consider training (laughs) yeah is that like an honor system
1: race or is that an actual organized event
2: um
0: it's
2: (laughs) both okay Uh, so so the official challenge is open to anyone who wants to string together a course that that covers you know that that 26 plus miles and and has all four fish um we uh we do one down in uh in the uh Weminuche wilderness uh between well I won't I won't say exactly where <laughs> it is uh but it's you know there are probably 10 of us that are going to try it this year we were going to do it this last weekend uh but as as many of the listeners may know Colorado had an epic snowpack this year there were a ton of avalanches that wiped out and, and buried a bunch of trails with, uh, avalanche debris. So decided that, Oh, and, and river crossings in, in mid July this year were just dangerous. So we pushed it to mid October. So, um, that's the plan right now is to try to do the trout man after we've, we've completed our, our flyathlon season and, and just get out. And it's really informal. Um, ton of fun only three of us uh, we did it two years ago and three of us were successful in in finding all four fish and getting in under 12 hours and interestingly the uh brook trout uh two years ago was the hard fish to find which for for anglers in colorado they'll know that that's that's kind of a rarity in those high mountain streams to not be able to find a brook trout but uh that was the struggle that day but three of us made it happen and and so there's three official trout men out there but my my hope is that there will be more after this year whether i'll whether i'll be able to repeat or not is remains to be seen because i'm closing in on 45 and and uh it's not as easy to, to 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 go that distance as it was even a couple years ago
1: so is the fishing usually the limitation or the distance i assume the beer usually isn't the limitation
2: no although you'd be surprised after exercising for almost 12 hours to try to drink a 12% beer is you want to be sitting down that's the uh that's the message that that I would I would communicate is make sure you're sitting down after doing that um but the the fishing is a challenge more in the in the selection of the course cuz finding all four fish in a even within that 30 mile reach is sometimes challenging um, because they don't occupy the same habitat, the rainbow and brown trout are bigger water fish. And, and um, so anyway, it, it, picking the right course is, is a challenge, but then actually finding them all um, when you're out there and, and under the gun is, is uh, interesting as well. And then for safety reasons, we ask people to make sure they're not out there doing this on their own. So then you're relying on your your partner who you're out there with also catching those same four different fish species uh so that adds an element of potential frustration with your <laughs> with your buddy as if you've landed your all your fish and he can't find them so um but it's a ton of fun and and uh I'm looking forward to it again this year
1: so it sounds like there's a course that you guys do kind of an informal gathering race but someone could come up with their own course and also achieve the same feat, but you, you just happen to have a course that you've tried and tested out. It was yeah. Getting. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So um, I, and, and I, I have a, a map problem. I have got all the uh, National Geographic illustrated trail maps. And so th- this kind of stuff just that fascinates me looking at maps and trying to imagine courses where I could get all four and, and, and get get a a great run in as well and so i think there's a handful of places in colorado where the trout man is achievable uh but we've only done it in in the one uh thought about making it an official event the real challenge is to find a course that long where you can catch all four, four fish that doesn't go through wilderness because competitive events are not permittable in wilderness so we couldn't have an official event if it went through wilderness
1: so how do you go about finding the flyathlon courses i know there's only a couple of them but what criteria were you looking for apart from there needs to be a basically a trail along a stream that has fish in it
2: that's pretty much well having camping close by Mm -hmm. having a trailhead that has good parking um it's it's the quality of the fishing so you want people to be successful uh certainly with the middle creek race that's that's uh the primary um reason that 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 fishery was selected is because it's in the middle of nowhere no one really knows where this thing is but i knew it from from doing research at, at my job and and uh it, it's a really super fishy place where people have a great chance of being successful and so um i think that's that's one of the primary things is a trail that has enough access to the creek so that there are lots of opportunities for people to just break off instead of you know a handful where you're then cramming 60 people into one mile of river if the trail only comes close for one mile of the course Mm so it's really proximity to the creek not a lot of road crossings. I mean, every road crossing you have, you have to have some volunteer there staffing it. So try to get it in the middle of nowhere. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, our goal is to have um, people come and stay. And so far enough away from an urban center that, that they're going to, they're they're going to just make a weekend out of it instead of trying to come for the morning and then drive home. Mm-hmm. I- um. Yeah. Did
1: you have a lot of places that fit the bill or was it like, these are the only two or three places that we can even find?
2: Um, no, I, I, I think there's a lot of good um, public water with, uh, it, again, the wilderness um, limitation does eliminate a lot of really good. There's countless trails that run right next to rivers that go into wilderness. And, and that's the great thing is once you start running and running with your fly rod the world's your oyster. There's all sorts of great, great places to go. But, um, in terms of, you know, uh, places where we could actually hold an event, um, these are the two that the, the two in Colorado that we've landed on. I've explored other courses in other States as, as we contemplate taking this to other parts of the country. And, and it's, it's relatively easy to find something that That at least on paper looks like it might work. And um, that's where in the future, I'm hoping with Running Rivers, as I mentioned, it's all volunteer right now. Our long-term goal as a board is to to find the resources through foundations or or whatever to hire a part-time or or full-time executive director to help take the concept to new places and expand what we're doing and maybe take over some of the, the on the ground um, conservation work as well. So right now, as I mentioned, we're heavily reliant on our partner uh, our conservation partner organizations to get the projects done on the ground. But um, there's no reason why we couldn't do a lot of that work ourselves as a, as a nonprofit. Um, we just need to have someone with the time and 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 someone who's getting paid to you know to to spend all day working right. on on this stuff as opposed to just nights and weekends so that's the we we've as a non-profit we've started to write our first five-year strategic plan and and it involves at some point in that five years um actually hiring someone to take on a lot of the day-to-day and expand the impact of of what we're doing because there's a there's been a ton of interest from other states and, hey, can we do this in Maine or can we do this in Wyoming? And the answer is yes, but not without significant help on the ground. And either that help comes from our organization in the form of an executive director or we're heavily reliant on people on the ground in those places driving the bus, which is, which is how it's worked in Iowa. We've got a great group of locals in Iowa who have just taken the idea and made it made it their own and so now like i went out one year for the iowa race and this year it's the same weekend as the the lake fork race so we'll be we'll be doing that and they'll be doing the driftless uh area flyathlon and and they can manage it all by themselves and it's not it's not rocket science but i'm I'm glad to see them taking it and running with it for
1: sure well i've had you on here for about an hour so we can start to wrap things up, but do you want to tell people where they can find you or where they can find more information about the Flyathlon and how to how to contribute or volunteer if they want to?
2: Sure. Sure. Um our our website is just uh org, and um the Flyathlon is one of the programs that's up there as well as the Rare Fish Rare Beer. Um you know, reach out. My, my email is super simple. It's cutthroat at Gmail, like, like (laughs) the fish. Um, and if it's something that, that appeals to, to any of your listeners, feel free to give them, um, my information. We we can always use people out helping to volunteer uh, on projects or, or at events or participants for future years that both events are, are full at this point. Um, for, for 2019, but we'll have those two events and maybe more um, next year. It just depends on, just depends on the bandwidth of the board and, and uh, what anyone's got going on in their life at any given time. <laughs> so, um, but no, it's, 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 it's a ton of fun and, and we'd love to have anyone out to join us and, and really just interested in pushing uh, native trout and conservation and, and really, the idea that you know we've got a ton of people who like to recreate in these places and and that's part of the reason people move to Colorado and move to the west is to take advantage of these these great natural resources that are in close proximity to places like Denver. but the more people that come, the more we need people that are are, are going to stand up and and be a part of taking care of those places um, both through their their dollars and certainly fishing licenses and paying for fishing licenses is is a first step, but you know the the flyathlon has really been great in in empowering people to to go beyond that and and really step up and and raise resources that will go directly towards keeping these places awesome. So we we like to talk about um, turning people into uh, public land owners instead of just public land users and. I think we need a lot more owners because the dollars that are coming to federal federal agencies that manage these places are dwindling and, and the pressure's increasing. So if we don't stand up and take care of these places, um, we're going to lose some of them
1: for sure. And I would highly encourage anyone to go ahead and sign up for one of these races when it opens up next year, because uh, I've done it two or three years now and it's always one of my favorite weekends of the, I guess mine's in the fall, but uh just a great time with great people and fishing and drinking and fires it's just an all-around good time for a whole weekend so
2: well and it's it's one of our favorite weekends too because you're there
1: <laughs> thanks andrew
2: yeah you bet <laughs> we'll see you and see you in september all right
1: sounds good take care thanks for coming on all right and that'll do it for episode number one of the fish untamed podcast you liked what you heard i would love for you to go subscribe and get future episodes delivered right to you uh it's not under the fish untamed podcast right now though if you're typing that in it's under the wild initiative podcast that's the network i'm under so go ahead and subscribe to the wild initiative and you'll get all my episodes as well as all of sam's other episodes on that stream and in the meantime also go check out fishuntamed.com all my episodes will be listed there as well as weekly articles about backcountry fly fishing and all kinds of other little tidbits so um, go ahead and head over there and if you're looking for me on social media it's just under fish untamed on instagram and then just under my name katie burger on go wild those are really the only two i'm on but i'm assuming quite a few people who listen to this will be on at least one of those so go uh, check me out there and i will be posting updates on both of those platforms so until then have a good one